Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Coffee House Theology. It is Wednesday, December the 9th, 2020. Brian, it's hard to believe, but we are almost to the end of this year. We've almost worked our entire way through the Bible. So if you go all the way back to January, you kind of have your own little mini commentary on every book of the Bible. It has been a journey, but it's been fun in a lot of ways. And so we're glad that many of you have joined us for that journey. I love that several of you are showing me on Sunday all of the little check marks by your boxes. Some of you have already reached the end of the Bible reading plan. You were so excited to get there. Uh, and so no matter what camp you're in, uh, we're just grateful for the chance to get to unpack God's Word. And uh, today uh, we're going to cover the books of First and Second Peter, Hebrews, and Jude. And then next week, First, Second, Third John, and Revelation. So we kind of wrap up with John's writings uh, at the tail end of the New Testament. And then we'll be home, yeah. uh, gone all the way through the Bible. So we're excited about that, excited to get to walk through this with you today. Uh, again, if you're not on our uh, email list, uh, email us at info at stationhillchurch.com, and we'll be sure that you have access to the handouts and a weekly reminder. Uh, we'll tell you a little next week about our plans for the coming year, uh, and uh, we're excited to, to unveil that. Uh, but in the meantime, let's pray and let's dive into these books today. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this season this time of Advent, which reminds us uh, of your first coming uh, and that we need to be prepared for your second coming. Uh, So as we're going to look at today, you have inspired words to be written that help your church know how to be the church, uh, how to proclaim and defend the truth, uh, how to carry out uh, the the, the calling that you placed upon us uh, to bring the good news to others and uh, to teach people uh, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Uh, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So remind us uh, of that big truth as we work through uh, the words that you gave your servants to give us. So we love you, Lord Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brian, how are we doing today? Doing good. Doing good. All right. Here we go. Excited about So this is the non-Paul, non-John section of the epistles. (laughs) It's hard to kind of sum it up, but that's how we kind of grouped these. So we know it hasn't exactly matched with your daily Bible reading if you're following our plan, but you're at the time of year, you're just reading a lot of the New Testament anyway, so hopefully you'll be able to fit the pieces together. Yeah, these will all mesh. And you've got commentary. Like I said, you certainly have commentary up to where you've read because we're now ahead of the reading because we have to finish a little little earlier. Also, if you don't get the handout this week, there's a couple of pretty useful diagrams in here that I found in in Wilkins and Boa, Wilkinson and Boa. And um, they they really help give some overview, and especially as you go into these books and how they fit, yeah. there's some really useful stuff. Yeah, those really authors really are from stuff. Walk Through the Bible Ministries, and um, some of you might have heard of that ministry before, but they really do a good job of giving you some practical handles for biblical application and study. Yeah, they do a great job, do a great job. And so we're getting ready to go through First Peter and Second Peter, Hebrews and Jews, you said. And what's cool about First and Second Peter, right, they were letters written pretty pretty close in time. Right. And they're, but they're written with, with, to the church with very different perspectives, yes. right? The, fir- the first, right, first Peter is about persecution from outside the church. Yes. Second Peter is about heresy within the church. Yeah. Which is that, so much of the New Testament. That's exactly right. And so, and so what we see is, you know, how do we, first Peter, we're going to talk about, right? How do we strengthen against attacks from the outside? Second Peter, how do we, how do we strengthen from attacks from the inside? And so let's talk about Peter for the right? He was one of the disciples and certainly among Jesus, Jesus inner circle. And we see his faith when he proclaimed who Jesus was, right? Matthew, right? You were the son of God. While he certainly didn't fully understand why Jesus came. Right, yeah. get behind me, Satan was the, the next statement to him. Um, right, and and certainly his betrayal is well known. Right, where he denied Jesus yeah. three times, but so is his restoration. And that's what's you know so compelling to me about these two letters in particular yeah. is because you know at the end of John's Gospel we get that story of of Peter's restoration, and Jesus says you know like you're going to feed my sheep. Right. And so we see a very transformed Peter right yep. in in these letters shepherding the church of God. Um, you know, again, you, we've traced his story throughout Acts, but but we see him really being a faithful shepherd, and that's one of the motifs, of course, that Peter picks up on. But the other piece that's always really fascinating to me about Peter, right, is that Jesus told him basically, you know, like you're gonna you're gonna die for this, right. you know, right. um, you know, and so Peter, who was so bold, you know, kind of to say, we'll we'll die with you, Jesus, you know, well, that's what ends up happening. But right. but the point there, of course, is faithfulness to the end. 
and and that Peter, you know, despite such a kind of an epic fail, um, right. you know, in denying Jesus at his critical moment, was was certainly restored and was faithful to the end to fulfill his ministry and his calling. Well, it's a long line of the people we've read about, right? Mark the coward, that's right. right. Matthew the tax collector, betrayer yeah. and treasonous, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, you kind of go through the people, a lot of the people who are in this, Paul, right, yeah. who killed Christians, and so. It, it's beautiful to watch not only the redemption and restoration, but the, the kingdom use yes. of such wayward people, right? Because a lot of us think that we're, we're – and a lot of yeah. us are wayward, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, certainly we – but you know, when you look at how these wayward people yeah. were used for the kingdom's purpose. Yeah, well, and the redemption of their stories, right? right? How, mm. how Jesus – not only there's this re- redemption in a general sense, right, mm. uh, that, he, that he paid the price for our sins, but there is this, these particular redemptions in when God takes some somebody's point of failure, and when, when they're changed and transformed by the gospel, he uses that very means to minister right. to people out of that place of brokenness in right. their life. Right. I mean, you know, Paul going back to the Pharisees. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I mean, Paul, yeah. you know, I, 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 know, I know what you believe because I was one of you. Yeah. Right. But let me tell you. And so, and that, which is where we get Peter, right? But then we see, as you said, right throughout Acts, we see Peter's leadership in the church. Yep. Right. Furthering, furthering the, the faith. And, and according to tradition, right, Peter was crucified upside down yeah. right before Nero's death, probably in the 66, 67, 68 AD time frame. And so when was this written? Uh, this was written in 64 AD. It was almost certainly not written from Babylon, which 513 says that was probably a reference to Rome right. because that's where Peter played out his last days. Yep. And, and so there were, and there were also few people in Babylon this day. It's kind of an abandoned place by now. Um, who was it written to? It's written to Gentile Christians in Asia Minor. Right to, to cities that extend beyond the ministry covered in Acts. And that's what's interesting, right, is this addresses some of the places yep. that Acts doesn't talk about. Yeah. And so we, we see the gospel continuing to progress. Yeah, to spread. Yeah, even beyond that. What's it about? Right, Facing increasing persecution, Peter wanted to encourage and reassure these believers to remain steady in the faith and kind of a privilege to share in Christ's sufferings. And I know, I, you know, I, I don't, we rarely have that perspective. Very that we true. counted a, perspe- a, a a blessing, right, that, they, that we, it's a privilege to, to share in Christ's suffering. So when we yeah. suffer, I've seen very few people go, you know, this is, this is really a privilege, yeah. right, to share in Christ's sufferings, right? Because yeah. most of the time we want out. And, and, and I think as we've matured, as, at least if I've matured in my faith, I've started to have those understandings. Yeah. I've started to see some of the places where the Lord is, 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 is um, you know, causing me to suffer in different ways that they are to the Lord's glory, and you start seeking that glory. Yeah. And I think that's what happens when you kind of go from the milk to meet, you start going, okay, if this is where I am and this is what's happening to me, how does that glorify God? Right. right. What do we do with that to glorify God? And I think we see that in Peter. Um, and so why? To withstand attacks on the church from outside the church, mm-hmm. right? We who persevere through, through persecution should be, a, should be full of hope. Right, as we will enjoy the end time salvation as we're already God's saving grace through the death, burial, and we already have, right, God's saving grace, yeah. the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that goes back to, and we'll talk about faith in Hebrews, but that goes back to believing, right, we believe what Christ says to the degree that we live it now. Right. Right. We believe that in time. We believe, and that's how we get through these pers- these that's times right. of suffering and trial. Yeah, there, there's an art to it, and, and it really, again, helps define this key word of hope, which mm-hmm. is a great Advent word. Again, you know, this idea <laughs> that fixing our eyes on what is to come, right, that then defines our current reality. Right. Rather than us just looking at our circumstances and being in despair. Right. Because, and those are so momentary, right? You just get bounced along the way. So you're unstable, right? If you just look at your circumstance, because one day you're in great circumstances, the next day you could be in terrible circumstances. That's right. And so what we have is a fixed, a fixed, steady, steady view of Jesus. And so as we look at, at, um, first Peter, there's really kind of three sections, right? The first is the salvation of the believer, which is first through about the middle of chapter two, first chapter in the middle of chapter two, the submission of the believer, which is chapter two to the middle of chapter three, and then the suffering of the believer, which is the middle of chapter three to the end. And the key verse is, and I love this, right? It comes out of chapter four. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Right, that's really the heart that, of this, yeah. and that that's, is profound. That is, and that and is it, meat, as you said. Yeah. Well, and it's 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 me. It's a it's a steadying brace. 
Good to word. your life, right? If you can have that perspective, that's a steadying brace to make you stable yeah. and, and to go through lives. And, and as we kind of walk through, right, in the first chapter, he says we're born of a living hope, right? Of all people, we should be hopeful. And I love the Advent, right? That's absolutely Advent, right? We are secure in our salvation, being born again through the resurrection of Christ Jesus. Inheritance, quote, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading from verse 4. Great words. Right? Un- imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. We endure sufferings in this context, right? For a tested genuineness of faith, resulting in praise and glory and honor for Christ, right? We, we are called to be holy and set apart and designated for a purpose, right? Because the things that were holy in the temple were set apart. They were right. designated for a purpose. And the Lord is, has you. You are holy and designated for a purpose, right? I love verses 22 and 23, right? Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God, right? We are all in this together. Yeah. Forever. Right? Forever. Yeah. We are all in this together. But that goes to the community. And we talked a little bit about that last week about the Lone Ranger Christians. Just, it's just not biblical. That's right. It's just not in the Bible. We are here to, to, to build, our, build each other up. Yeah. And so we go over to chapter so two, right? Christ is the living stone. So Jesus is portrayed as the living stone, right? Rejected by men, but chosen and precious in the sight of God, like many of us, by the way. Yep. Right? Like many of us. Christ is offensive to worldly sensibilities, so we should expect resistance, persecution, and suffering. Right? He's a stumbling block for the world. And what does that mean? In the end, the world's schemes are rooted in sin, and sin results in death every time, no exception. So what James says, right? Living, living opposed to Christ will cause anyone to stumble. He is our cornerstone, right? The root and support for our lives. And we live in obedience to him and glorify and honor him in our words and actions, right? And so, we, and then, right, verses 9 through 12, I love the charge, right? But you are a chosen race, yeah. a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passion of the flesh, which war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so when they speak out against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Mm-hmm. So it's your good deeds aren't to point to how good you are, but how great God is. Yeah, which echoes Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Absolutely. Right? Let your light shine before men that he'll see your good deeds and glorify God who's, who's in heaven. And so those verses that you read are so pivotal, you know, because like Paul, you know, Peter and Paul were very different personality-wise, yes. but, you know, verses 9 and 10, right, this is who you are. Right. You, you are this chosen race, this royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. So if God, you know, owns you, what are you worth? I mean, right. it's immeasurable, right? <laughs> right. So secure in this identity then, right, beloved, I urge you right. as sojourners and exiles to live this way. Right. And so really that's the hinge of the entire letter is right there, you know, in verse Verses 10, 10 and eleven, because that it's it goes moves from our belief to our behavior, from That's exactly what, right. what who we are to what we do, and, and how those are always interrelated and interconnected. Well, and I was you know, actually listening to a song coming in that, on whatever streaming thing I was listening to. It said, "You know, heaven's my home anyway." Mm-hmm. Right. And That's what this sojourner in exile. And so when you start to live your life, that heaven's your home anyway. Yeah. Right? It, it makes the things that happen in this world a little more understandable. Yeah. There's a book that I have. It's called Evangelism as, as Exiles, written by a missionary. And it uses First Peter, right? And his theme is embrace exile. Yeah. Instead of us being panicked and hopeless, recognize that when the church is ostracized and suffering, right, we're actually following in these footsteps of Jesus, uh, you know, and countless believers, right, right, who have come before us. And we forget that's not just then. Right. The church wasn't just persecuted then. The church is more persecuted. Today, simply because there's a greater number of followers in the world in persecuted contexts, absolutely. And so, it's always a good reminder, especially this time of year. You think of Voice of the Martyrs and others to to be mindful when we read about suffering to know that there are brothers and sisters in the world who are living this out right now. Right, right. This is not ancient, this is not ancient history. Right. This, this is current, right. current, current circumstance. Current wisdom. And so, the next section is one of our favorites: submit to authority. <laughs> right? right. Yep. And the instruction in this passage is clear. Right. And I cannot emphasize the effect of obedience to these words as our witness in this day. Again, I cannot emphasize how important that is. Right. The passage does not give an out clause. If you think the authority is corrupt and brutal, as it almost certainly was in their day. Well, sure. And, And again, keep in mind our historical context. 
Peter died right. at the hands of this emperor, <laughs> right. right? Crucified, Crucified upside, down. upside down. Right. And yet he is able to, you know, say, you know, with the spirit of truth, you know, right. leading him to write these words, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. That's exactly right. Right. Whether the emperor is supreme or his governor is sent to punish those who do evil and, and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that God's instituted all authority. And yes, that does not mean that that authority is always in line with God, God's what God would have them to do. Right. But God is also not surprised by anything that happens. That's exactly what. And the next words, right? That by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Yeah. By, by obeying authority. That's it. Of, of all things. Yeah. By obeying authority of all things, right? And the, the, only, the only exception he gives us if there's disobedience to Scripture, right? right. God, you take God, man, that was Acts 5.29, right? Correct. And, and, and Jesus is our example. Mm-hmm. Right. Who who was treated more unjustly? Yeah. Right. He knew he knew who was hitting him when he was blindfolded. Yeah. Right. He knew who That's was right. beating him. He didn't deserve any of those things, but he submitted himself to that for our sake. That's it. And so and that was the rulers and authorities having unjust authority and doing unjust things yeah. that he submitted to. That's right. And that that's our example. And, and, and that's freedom, right? Verse right. 16, live as people who are free, not right. using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Boy, that one calls us out, doesn't it? Yeah. But living as servants of God. And so this important biblical principle, I think Peter articulates it really clearly. True freedom is not doing whatever you want. Right. True freedom is actually found only under ultimate authority. That's exactly right. The only way that you're going to be truly free is to be and live as the person God created you to be. That's right. Yeah, there's a wonderful book called Up With Authority, of all things. And it talks about you know, kind of an orchestra. And how every every person in an orchestra, especially like the the, the right the prime or right the Australian National Orchestra, the yeah. and they're massive, right? Um, every individual in there is a magnificent musician, right. and if t- turned loose to play, right, right, they would play spectacular things. But and, it would sound like a train wreck. Right, exactly, because it'd just be a bunch of noise. Right. But when they submit themselves, submit their gifts to the authority, Great and it, and it's and it's not a totalitarian. Right, that baton doesn't right. beat you. Right. right, the baton. That, that baton is is an image in front of them. Yeah. But in obedience to that, they do things that they couldn't do apart. Yeah, right. And that's Beautiful. what. That's why it's a body. That's why we're a body. Is we yeah. do things that we couldn't do individually. That's why God calls us as a church. Yeah. Right. To live free in obedience to the Master. Yeah, it's so good. Right. That's so just, good. That and, and I love what Paul or Peter does with verse seventeen. So we honor everyone. Yep. Right. So, so think about this. So, so fear God is what right. he's already told us to do. That's the big rock. Yep. Then next tier, love the brothers. Yep. So that's brothers and sisters in church. Then honor everyone, even the emperor, right. by the way. He just puts it in perspective for that's us. That's right. Right? Because, right? I mean, again, authority, dignity, all those things. But, you know, again, so keep it in perspective. Whereas people are overwhelmed by the thought of the emperor, he, he lumps the emperor in there with everybody. Right. You and, know, as right. someone else that God has given a role to play, honor him. Right. And, you know, show him dignity. But, you know, ultimately, fear God, love the brothers and sisters, honor everybody, even the emperor. Yeah, and that, which is just, just spectacular, right? Just spectacular. And then and I, and I went over to, and there, like I said, and there's so much in here, but let's go, let's go over to ver, the chapter four, right? The, the, the steward, we're stewards of God's grace, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the end of all things at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of, of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another, right? Earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each as received as a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace, Varied grace, mm-hmm. right? Whoever speaks is one who speaks, oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Yeah. Right? This little doxology. And it's, and it's about how we, where we're rooted, right? Where are we, where, where we are rooted, right? And to be used as, as, to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Right? We each contribute. We each have something to give. Yeah. One of the things we've always done, and we, we don't change churches very often, but when we have, we look for places we can serve. Yeah. Where can our, it's not as long as the word is being taught faithfully. And then what our second thing is, is what, what does the Lord have for us to do? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's within your gifting, by the way. Sometimes it's not within your yeah. gift. Which, which is a great point because in verse 8, he says, keep loving one another earnestly. Right. That word in Greek means stretching out. Right. <laughs> it's a stretching out to love. And you think about love, right? It stretches you. Oh, yes, it does. You know, especially, like you said, when you're serving in ways that maybe you're not the most comfortable, but right. you know you're called to serve. That's exactly We right. have a three and a one-year-old right now, right? And when that one-year-old cries at 4 a.m., 
it stretches us, right? right. Especially with right. a nineteen-year-old, you were planning on having a one-year-old now, so <laughs> that right. was the that That's was the right. Yeah, yeah. So, so the point there is not to pat ourselves on the back. <laughs> Obviously, the point is to say it's hard. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard, and it should be. I mean, right? right. That's and so, but that's what Peter's saying. Right. Like in love, we stretch out. That's what that word earnestly means, and I love that since love covers a multitude of sins. That's right. And so, it you know, and so what does that mean? Well, it means as we serve faithfully, that points people to the gospel, and that is what covers sins. Absolutely. Is what Christ has done for us. That's just beautiful. Just beautiful. All right. And then we and then he talks to us about suffering. Mm-hmm. Right, and and that's the key verse of the book back back in chapter four. Right, don't be surprised at the fiery trials. Right, the key verse of the book tells us not to be surprised at difficult circumstances and trials. We rejoice, but I love the aside. Be sure you suffer for Christ, not for your own sins and foolishness. Right. Some of us like to think we're being persecuted when actually we're being disobedient, selfish, and sinful, and sometimes just stupid. Like right, that, that sometimes one, just, right? that's true. Right, but so, yeah, no, you're exactly right. It's <laughs> yeah. this, I, and I see this all the time in, in pastoral care. Right, you know, somebody comes to you, you know, oh, whoa is me and you know why'd god allow this to happen it's like well what what choice did you make there (laughs) oh oh yeah oh you did so you know again a lot of times it's that's that's on us right you know but are there times when you know we suffer unjustly absolutely yes and when we do what's our example it's jesus that's right as peter said we have to follow in his steps Right. And so for us to think that we're going to follow Jesus, right, and not have to face some kind of suffering or hardship or persecution is is very naive. Right. You either don't understand your faith or you don't understand your circumstances. Right. Right. One, one of the two is true, right? And I love that suffering as a Christian, right, it's not a state of salvation, but, it, but also a, also suffering in following Christ, right? He says, you know, I've, I've had this world, I've had troubles, you're going to have troubles too, but don't fear, I've overcome the world. That's right. Right. And so and so the Lord Lord brings to that. Yeah. And I love that. So that's the that's the suffering and the persecution from outside the church. Yeah. So now we move to Second Peter, right? And same same guy, same author. Uh, it was written right after right after Peter, yeah. and certainly before before uh, right before his death. We we think uh, same audience, a little little broader salutation in the beginning, so maybe a little bit broader. But this was written right to withstand attacks on the church from within. Yeah. Right. To contrast the truth with falsehood, because what could be and what could be more relevant to today, right? The letter sure. encourages growth into Christian maturity, so they can expose the dangerous and seductive work. And I love that. We'll get to that word. Right, seductive work of false teachers. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that, again, you know, by by us reading the Bible this way, it's just repeated over and over how much emphasis is given in the New Testament to uh, you know uh, dealing with false teaching. Right, and that means for us what a threat it is to the church. That's right. And so we hear these things today, and we're like, well, that kind of sounds good, but you know, maybe it's right. Maybe you know, but 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 man, it's the the lifeblood of the church depends on it. That's right. Because we have to stand on the truth of the Word of God. So you think about the the various you know not just what we would call heresies, right, but the things that are you know dressed up to sound palatable in in this day and age, a lot of the tenets of progressive Christianity, a lot of the the, the realities of the, the social gospel, you know, on and on we could go, you know, unpacking the prosperity gospel, all of these things that sound good are couched in verses and songs and biblical terminology, but in reality are false teaching. That's right. That's right. And, and, and they lead to death. Right, and 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 that and that's what's so frightening, and and there's so much of our world is based in feeling, yeah. right, emotional impact, and and that affects churches even in their church services, yeah, sure. right, because I I just don't feel it when I go there. It's yeah. Like what what you supposed to feel, right? It's a question yeah. I've always asked. It's like you know, and feelings are important, yeah. and please don't let me diminish right. feelings. Right, but God gives but us feelings. Let's right. be clear. Right, and they're they're the coloring to the detail. Yes, and that, and they're and they're critical when we and, you know and very sensitive very feeling people are critically important to the body, but that's not what you lead with. Right. We lead with the truth. That's right. Right. And those feelings fill in around those things. It's 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 you know it's kind of like the spirit led order. Right. Order is very important. It is when it's led by yeah. the spirit. Subjective feelings have to bow to objective truth. Exactly. And that's we have brilliant. to be sure that we keep that in perspective. That's just brilliant. That's exactly right. So again, three sections to to Second Peter. Right. Well, let's go. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, three seconds to Second Peter. Um, we the cultivation of Christian character in the first chapter, the condemnation of false teachers in the second chapter, and the confidence in Christ's return, right in the third chapter. Yeah. And so the key verse, and, and I put the whole section in here because I really like the whole section. Uh, but but you know, it really comes down to, to verse sixteen, right, or twenty one. So for no yeah. prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but man spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So I mean, the truth, right? The truth becomes. 
right? If we don't follow clever, let's read the whole thing. If we don't follow cleverly devised myths, where when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His Majesty. For when He received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born, born to to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven and we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the the will of man, but men spoke of from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so this is the inspiration. This is the prophecies come from yeah. God, not from yeah. And that's will. one of our, our favorite verses when you're talking about the inspiration of the Bible. This this phrase "carried along by the Holy Spirit" is a word picture in the original language of a sailboat. Right. And so, in essence, what these men did, right, was they they put up the sail. They made themselves open, but the spirit had to breathe, right? right that's it, you just like, if you're on a lake, right, and there's no, no breeze blowing, you, you're not going anywhere. Right. And that's what Peter's saying, right? right. Nobody, nobody came up with this stuff on their own. Right. Instead, these men of God, right, opened themselves up to the word of God, and it was the spirit who breathed the, these, these words into them, um, you know, and, and really out for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and he starts off, right, with confirming your call. Right? Confirm your election. Because of our calling, we have a certain way of life as response to the gospel. And I love that those list of qualities, right, five, says for, that we supplement our faith, right? For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brother affection and a brotherly affection with love. For these, if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of of our Lord Jesus Christ. So these are the things that that underpin the works that we do. Yeah. Right. This is the this is what underpins the works that we do. And w- without these, if this is not what's underpinning the works we do, then we're doing it out of selfish ambition. Yeah. Right. And that and and that's very very dangerous. And I, one of the things I love, right? The Bible doesn't say ambition is bad. It says selfish ambition is bad. Right. It says, as a matter of fact, in Paul, one place says, make yeah. it your ambition. Yeah. And and in that, right, this is our ambition. Right to to make every effort to, to supplement our faith with these things, and so yeah, that's yeah. the undercurrent of yeah, our life. Grace fueled effort, right? right? These things don't earn us our way into the kingdom, but these are again evidence of, of lifestyles that we cultivate because we are a part of God's family. That's exactly right. Right, and we need to evaluate our walk against these qualities, and if we're growing in them. Right, daily repentance and Christian community are critical in this endeavor. Mm-hmm. Right, we need to reflect on each day's walk, and we need people around us to speak truth and love. Right, our community should both correct us when we stray and encourage us where they see these qualities growing. And that's the critical part of not being able to do this alone. Right, fruit we don't make one, and we've talked about many times. You don't make fruit for yourself. Right? Right. Apples don't eat apple trees. Don't eat apples. Right, right. So there's got to be other people around for the fruit to be beneficial to, and yeah. that's why we're in communities. But also to correct you. Yeah. That when you start wandering off somewhere, that the, that they come up and say, "Look, I'm I'm seeing this, I'm seeing that." And when you're in close community, people they can say that before it gets out of hand, right? Right. And, and a lot of times that community can can draw can can draw us closer to Christ in unique ways, in unique ways. And so now false teachers and uh, right, I love but you know Peter doesn't Peter doesn't mince words. Yeah. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, mm-hmm. right? Who will secretly bring in secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. Wow. Strong words. Strong words. That that yeah, that's not kind of playing around with, with what's going on, right? And we see this at play all around us with various perversions of the Christian faith. Right? Absolutely. And, it, and it, sometimes it devolves into the formless progressive movement, right, that really has kind of no bounds, or or the hyper nationalistic and individualistic heresies that we also see falling off the other side. That's and this right. this is again, all within the church. Right? This, yes. is, this is not persecution from outside. These are places we fall inside, yeah. right? Uh, and that's among many others, right? They sing seductive tunes that lure out our pride instead of calling us to obedience of Christ, mm-hmm. right? Peter describes them as sensual, and that's such an accurate term, right? It is. Bold Agreed. and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious one. Yeah. Well, I think put it in context, right, with, with Peter's first letter as well. You know, we look to these things— and they're so seductive to us because they look good, they sound good, they make us feel good versus 
having to strengthen the muscles that come from living our lives according to the truth, from dealing with afflictions and hardships and persecutions. You know, it's such an easier road if I go down this way. Right. And that's why, again, broad is the road, right? So that, that many walk down, but narrow is the path, as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, that leads to life. And so even people within, like you said, the churches are, are deluded by these who promise, right? Health, wealth, prosperity, you know, so God's on your side. You know, all of these things. Well, and even a better way to God. Right? Yeah. I got oh, something yeah. some, see, sure. I've got a better way to God. Yeah. It, 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 and it your best look, life now. And right. on and on you can right. go. And so it doesn't look right. And, to, and then it keeps rendering itself in selfishness. And it, you love Peter's description, right? These are waterless springs. <laughs> yeah. And mist driven by storm. For yeah. them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. Yeah. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh. Those who are barely escaping from, their, from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. Now that's so on point. Right? For whatever overcomes a person, to that he's enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. That's right. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it, turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true pro- what the true proverb says has happened to them: the dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Such beautiful and poetic language there oh, at the end. Vivid. Vivid, right? Vivid. And but, it's so on point. How many times have we seen that, right? Yeah. People believe something false, and then even when you try to correct it, they go back. Right. Right? They go back to that 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 false teaching. They go back to that destructive behavior. And, you know, as, as Peter points out, they only become more entangled than they were before. Right. But yet, now they're responsible for what they know. Right, exactly Because right. they know better. They That's know exactly. the truth. And it's why we have to preach and teach the truth so that people will be convicted, you know, uh, about that reality so right. that they will know. And that's why I have to be in fellowship. Absolutely. Right? So as people yeah. stray, they feel conviction, and they should feel conviction. Your, your life should radiate Christ. And so there's a degree of conviction that, that, that comes from that. You know, people stop telling dirty jokes when I walk up. Right in a secular setting, and that's not because of I don't think I have a I've never worn a T-shirt that says "Please don't tell dirty jokes." <laughs> it's, there's just something that impresses, right? From a character standpoint, there's something that that impresses on that situation yeah. that that's not appropriate, and that's what I think that's what 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 Peter's talking about in all these things. All right, and so for last, right, Jesus is coming back, right? In spite of all the temptation of the yeah. momentary, right, the tyranny of the present, right, we know Christ will return and set things right. Yeah. But like Peter's audience, we often tar- we often forget this, right? And I love 3, 8 through 10 says, but do not overlook the fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Mm-hmm. Right? He, he is coming back, right? He's not slow, but patient. Yeah. Right? And so we therefore live in this promise, live in this certainty. We'll talk about that a little more when we get to Hebrews in just yeah. a minute. Right? We live that that certainty is true. Yeah, but I love what Peter does in the second letter, right? Starts with calling. Yep. Then, then hammers false teachers, right? Yep. That's and again, that's the, really what he's dealing with. But then he gives us eternal perspective, right? And so it's you know, right yep. between the now and the not yet, between how God saved us and what He called us to. Yep. Here's what to watch out for, and then remember, keep your eye on this, mm-hmm. you know. And and I love this teaching, and I think it's you know, again, when we ask, you know, I get asked the question all the time: Well, if things are so bad, why doesn't Jesus just return today? Well, here it is. This right. is the place that I consistently point them, right? Yep. So think about it, right? Jesus lived roughly 2,000 years ago. 1,000 years like a day. Right. He's only been gone a couple of days. Right. That's exactly right. That's right? exactly From right. God's perspective, really. And that's the point that Peter is making. Right. So his point is, is if you have to, again, in the context of, if you have to, to deal with false teachers, if you have to suffer and endure for a while longer, remember that all the while God is working out the gospel. He's right. working out his plan of salvation. And aren't you glad that he didn't decide to come back the day before you got saved. That's exactly right. You know, exactly and so remember that he he's not he he knows everything that's going on and right. he's not, you know, he's not missing something here. Right. But instead he is patient in his own way and his own timing. And that's why in the Bible, you know, we're we're to leave the timing to God and we're to be faithful about the gospel until he returns. Right. And should right, should the Lord tarry, tarry, right? Today is the day before someone will be saved. That's right. 
Right. I love that. That's a, I love what you just said. That's just a brilliant perspective, right? So if the Lord tarries, yeah. today is the day before yeah. somebody else will be saved. So did I have to endure something today? Yes. Right. But, but guess what? There's going to be people that are my brothers and sisters for eternity. Right. Right. Because, because he tarried another day. That's right. And, and, and he tarries another day, you know, and, and someday the yeah. day will come when he will say the number is full, you know, I, the sun will come back and it will be too late at right. that point. Um, but until then, we know that that is actually a form of God's grace. Right. You know, that, that he lingers, that he doesn't say, all right. Get down there and clean up this mess that right. people have made of things. Right. So praise God. Praise God. And I love this. And there's a table from you know, he told one of the tables they put in here, and it contrasts First and Second Peter. I just thought from an overview, this is wonderful, right? First Peter dealt with external opposition, and Second Peter dealt with internal opposition. First uh, Peter dealt with hostility, right? The suffering. Second Peter deals with heresy, mm-hmm. right? First Peter with antagonism. Second Peter with apostasy, right? First with endurance. Second with steadfastness. Right, that that was the the the, the answer. Right, was to endure yeah. the sufferings. Then now you you can go preach your voice with these, Brian. I'm sorry. Alliteration. <laughs> right, you go from waiting to, to warning. Well. <laughs> right, suffering to air, submission to knowledge, yeah. comfort to caution. The alliterated ones. That's exactly <laughs> right. Hope in the Lord's return and confidence in the Lord's return. Yeah. Right, holiness and maturity. Right, the p- pain with purpose versus the poison in the pew. Oh, come on, that'll See? preach. That'll preach. That that walks us through Peter. But what wonderful, right? What wonderful perspective. And knowing kind, knowing Peter's personality, you can you can sense him. Yeah. Right. Well, and, his, and go back to, to to that moment in Caesarea Philippi when Jesus or Peter declares Jesus as the Christ, right? Right. And Jesus looks at him and says, "Hey, upon you, right, the rock, I'm going to build my church. Right. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Right. And now you see Peter giving this kind of wisdom and, and, and instruction and truth to the church. It's just cool to see it come full circle. Yeah, it's awesome. Just awesome. Just awesome. All right. And so now we head over to Hebrews, right? And there's we know lots about where it came from. Oh, man. <laughs> so uh, you, we'll begin a 20-minute uh, debate on who wrote Hebrews. So yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. E- easy to debate. And, you know, I, I think in a way God didn't want us to know. Right, right. <laughs> it's the bottom yeah. line, you yeah. know. And, and there's there's a, 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 there's a couple of things that speaks to one is the fact that the early church recognized this as an authoritative work because of the truth it contained, right. versus being you know sure of who who the actual author author was. Right, right. And and the author was known to the to the people it was written yeah, to. Right? Absolutely. Thirteen. And um, there's lots of suggestions: Paul, Barnabas, Luke, Clement of Rome, Apollos, Cyrus, Silas, Philip, even Priscilla. I mean, uh, you know, Origen, which was the third century theologian, got it right when he said yeah. who it was that really wrote the epistle, God only knows. That's right. right? I, th- that's I think right. that's probably our most accurate authorship that I we have. Agreed. Uh, when, don't really know, probably between 64 and 68 AD because of the way the things it talks about and the way it talks about things. Yeah. Uh, whom, again, it was unknown, but it, traditionally to Jewish Christians. And the reason is, is it shows Christ's superiority to things that would only really matter to a Jew. Yeah. Right. That that wouldn't really that wouldn't really speak to a Gnostic or wouldn't really speak to a Herodian. Um, and so on the on the flip side, right? They they that and and they were written to people that were not novices and had successfully endured hardships. Yeah. Right for the gospel. But on the flip side, they'd become dull of hearing and were in danger of of drifting away. Mm-hmm. And he emphasizes that a couple of, on a couple of different places. Mm-hmm. So what and why? Right to show the superiority of Christ in the Christian way on many levels and circumstances. Right. And and that's where it goes. The Book of Spirit rewritten to Hebrew Christians, given the references to the Old Testament people and circumstances. And these references are much less. It would be much less impactful on people who are Gnostics or people who yeah. are, are... But again, to our point of reading the Bible all the way through, it's hard to appreciate the book of Hebrews unless you've read the Old Testament. That's exactly right. And so, you know, it's always good, especially when you're, you know, you know trying to push through the law, then go, go over and read some Hebrews, yeah. you know, and you start to go, oh, okay, you know. So it's so encouraging that we have this book in the New Testament, and I think that's part of why it was preserved in the church, to, to realize how Christ fulfilled... All of these types and, and, and was superior in every way, and these things are pulled forward now into the new covenant right. in which we see the fulfillment of them. Which is just, ab- yeah, and like I said, just an absolutely brilliant work. Absolutely brilliant work. We put, and there's kind of three sections to Hebrew as well, right? The superior of Christ's person, mm-hmm. which is 1 through 4, 13. Yep. The, the superiority of Christ's work, which is 4 through, t- four through the rest of 4 through 10. And then the superior of the Christian walk in faith. Right, which is the end of 10 to the end of the book. Yeah. So there it is again, right? right? What you believe, who we believe Christ is, and, and what you do, how you live your life. That's right. And, and, and yeah, and it's just, it's, it's phenomenal. So the, and the key verse, and I, you know, 
and these are these are a couple. I did a couple of them, right? Four fourteen through sixteen, and twelve one through two. Four fourteen said, "Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize us with our weaknesses, but one who, in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin." Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that may we receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Mm-hmm. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise oh, the Lord. Right? Oh, yeah. And then 12, 1 through 2, right? Therefore, so it's gone through the hall of witnesses, right? And he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Who, for the joy of that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, yeah. uh, just a couple of, of the most encouraging passages to me that you just read. You know, in the New Testament. You know, because you think about how this plays out practically. You right. know, so I have a need. Who can I go to? Right. You know, I can go to my friend. I can go to my pastor. I can go to you know a counselor. But no, Hebrews tells us you can go before, you know, the king. Right. Why? Because right. of what Jesus has done. Right. And you can not only approach that throne, and every ancient reader knew, right? You approach the throne and you get the thumbs down and you're dead. Right. You know, so nobody just casually walks <laughs> in a throne room, much let alone the throne room of the God of the universe. But you, because of what Christ has done, you can approach that throne with boldness right. and in confidence, right. knowing that you're going to receive mercy and grace in your time of need, mm. timeliness, right? Yeah. Even what you need in that moment. And you always have that access. I mean, that's that's just unbelievable. Right. <laughs> but, well, and, and we forget that. Sure. Right. We forget that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so we try to handle things in wor- either our own way or worldly ways yeah. when we have access to God, right, to access to the Holy Spirit within yeah. us. Yeah. When what should have happened in that throne room was we should have been killed. Right. 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 Instead, we get to go and ask. Right. And we don't have to be afraid of what we ask for. Mm. So it's just, yeah, unbelievable. And yeah. then, of course, clouds of witnesses. I mean, just, yeah, there's so much good stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just I'm going to go to preaching. <laughs> So the first four chapters, right, Christ is superior, right? Christ is superior to the prophets in the first three verses, yeah. right? Greater than the angels, right? And the next, next, the rest of one and Which two. Which was a big deal, by the way, in Judaism in the first century. Right, because angels you know. were critically important. Yeah, right? and they actually, some people were trying to worship angels. So again, context, historically, that was, a, that was a big deal. But it was like Jesus is superior. Right, it's seen in his name, his position, that he was worshipped by the angels, right? Which is critically important. And his incarnation. Right. And yep. Christ was the superior Moses. Yep. Right. And because of these truths, the readers, the readers are exhorted to, to, to avoid the divine judgment that comes with unbelief. Right. And so and so we, we see this, you know, Jesus is the superior and that extends on to his work. That's right. Right. Which goes to the high priesthood of Christ is superior to the Aaronic priesthood because Christ was not a Levite, but qualified for a higher priesthood, according to the, er, or the order of Melchizedek. Right. And I love this quote. So the, the superiority of Melchizedek to Levi is seen in the fact that Levi, in effect, paid tithes to Abraham to Melchizedek. Right where Abraham w- was blessed by Melchizedek, and the lesser lesser is blessed by the better, and that's again the Wilkins and Boa thing. I mean, basically, he says that look, you know, Aaron's ancestor pay, right, was yeah. was blessed by yeah. Melchizedek, who is in the line of Christ, mm-hmm. and so right. therefore that's why Christ is the superior priest even over the Levitic priesthood. Yeah. Right, and I, I never yeah. that really uh, you know putting that together. Oh yeah, makes that and whole... again, that's part of the reason, right? You go reach all the way back to Genesis for those <laughs> names and those how how all this starts coming full circle. Right, but it is this idea, you know. Again, that structure was super important to the Jewish people. Absolutely, you know who you were related to, what line, what lineage, and the priesthood, and all of that. Yep. And so to explain how Jesus is superior, even within the own you know Jewish context, yep. was vitally important. Yep. Right. And Christ is our permanent and perfect high priest. And I quote, the mediator of a better covenant, I quote, right? Our great high priest ministers in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, and voluntarily made himself a sinless sacrifice once and for all. Yep. Right. And that, which is greater than any sacrifice we can make. Yes. Right. Because we, 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 we can't make that sinless sacrifice. 
Um, he makes the definition of faith, right? How faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, right? At the beginning of chapter 11. Yeah. That while we may not see God's kingdom directly, we see it in the underpinning all of existence. And more importantly, live a life of faith in the certainty yeah. of what God has told us. Yeah. And if you want a great study, spend some time in Hebrews 11. Oh, yeah. Because again, you get to see the New Testament perspective on a lot of the Old Testament characters. Yep. You know, and so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going through my Bible reading this year, flagging chapters and right. books, and I want to go back and spend some more time in that next year. So Hebrews 11 might be one of those studies, you know, right. where you can really connect some of those dots and, and you see, you know, that, that, that faith, you know, that, that, that the author of Hebrews is pointing to and how that was lived out in these key biblical characters. Well, and I have by faith, right, highlighted all the way from you know, yeah. verses 17, yep. 30, by, by faith, by faith, by yeah. faith, by faith. All this was by faith. Right, which is just magnificent, right? It just echoes through the list of saints and the expressions of their faith in their life and legacies, mm-hmm. right? All that the followers endured, including unthinkable violence, right? True to their faith. In light of that powerful set of examples, we set aside the worldly concerns and press on the race mm-hmm. Christ has before us, right? And the, and the race is different for each of us. Mm-hmm. We, have, right, we have different gifts, different challenges, different communities, different contexts, but all, all is done. Right, while looking to the perfecter of our faith, Christ Jesus, and his example, we do not grow weary mm-hmm. with these examples given set. Right? They strengthen us. They draw us. Yeah. Just beautiful stuff. Yeah. Just beautiful, beautiful stuff. Oh, man. Yeah, and like you say, Hebrews, it, 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 is, it is a fascinating. Rachel went through a Hebrew study several years ago mm-hmm. with my wife, and, and just the connect, like you say, the way everything connects yeah. is absolutely spectacular. Yeah, and again, if you're in the Old Testament and you're kind of getting discouraged, spend some time going back and forth with Hebrews, and it's going to help you see, oh, okay, here are the connections. Yep. So, all right, so our last book for today. All right, the Epic Tome of Jude. <laughs> Right, the epic tome of. We're not even going to confuse you with chapters. We only got verse numbers. Exactly, and, and the, la- the last two are a doxology, which is which is spectacular. It's some of the best best stuff written. That's a wonderful place to live. So Jude writes a brother James. From Galatians one nineteen, this was written in, in the times pretty broad, somewhere between sixty five and eighty. It's just it's just short, so there's not a lot of identifying characteristics. Written to Christians, right? To those called beloved in God the Father and kept for Christ Jesus. What and why? Right? Jude writes to warn of false teachers. Gee, have we heard that? I, I was going to say surprise. Yeah, and encourage us to persevere. We haven't heard that either. And there's four points in these in these twenty five chapters, right? The 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 basically well, kind of the three four, points in a song. But, it is three points know, in a song. I know, it's, but, like he's a good Baptist preacher. Right? It's a good closing hymn. Three right? points and a closing hymn. And 24, there's a repeat sign at the end of 25 until somebody comes to faith. So <laughs> That's it's a, right. You kind of sit there and spin real well. That's right. Uh, but the purpose of Jude, right, the first four verses, a description of the false teachers in 5 through 16, defense against false teachers in 17 through 23 in the doxology. And, and the key verse, right, is, Beloved, I was very eager to write you about our common salvation. I find it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. I love, love that. That the way that's phrased, contending for the faith right. that was once and for all delivered to the saints. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's one of those kind of, I, I really don't have anything else to say about that. That's, that's good. Uh, and then and, right, it talks to the false teacher, right? Certain people have crept in unnoticed, right? Which are just very scary words, yeah. right? And that's happening today, as Second Peter reminds sure. us, right? Verse 8 reminds us, right? Describes the false teachers today that yet in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones, right? Verse 12 also, right? Where he says, right? The hidden reefs at, at your love mm-hmm. feast as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds, swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, uh, twice dead, Wow. Vivid. Uprooted. <laughs> wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame. Wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Wow. Right. Wow. Um, and we're, and then, but I love that, right, that he, that he goes into, but we're to have mercy on those who doubt. Mm-hmm. Right. And save others by snatching them out of the fire and to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment that is stained by the flesh. Yeah. And so that we still have mercy, that as we persevere, right, we have mercy on these people. We have mercy on people who doubt. Yeah. And that's why we try and work tenderly with people, right? Work tenderly that's with right. people that are, that are um, they're doubting. And then, like you said, and then we, then we come to the doxology. And this is what a great, great way to end our next to, last, next to last week, right? Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, 
majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. So what do we get out of this? Yeah. What do we get out Give of Give us this? a couple of big threads here, here, Brian, as as we've worked through these these books. Well, and I, I, the first one I think is, you know, we're we're at war for the truth. And the attacks will come from both inside and outside. And I want to be really careful that Benjamin and I were talking about this last night. Uh, you want to be careful that you're fighting the right battle. Yeah. It's a little like you want to be sure you're climbing the right ladder, right? If you put your ladder <laughs> up against the wrong wall, it's not going to help very much. Right. And so, but we're dealing with princes and principalities, right? And, the, and these, these spiritual battles. Mm-hmm. And that's what's distressing. It's not the really actions or circumstances of the lost, yeah. but the fact that their heart is far from God. Yeah. Um, and, and what we tend to fight are the actions, right? We go, it's, it's what's well, wrong to be this, which it is, right? There are, there are things that are sin, and that's true. But the problem isn't their sin. The problem is that they don't know Jesus. And so be sure you're contending for the faith, right? Ben, I think a theme in our family, I think it was the summer before last, right, was the truth is unassailable. Yeah. We love you, but the truth doesn't need you to defend it. Right. Right. The truth doesn't need me to defend it. The truth is will stand on its own just fine. Thank you. Yeah. Right. You'll you'll break yourself on the truth. Yeah. Right. Through lies. And so be sure we fight the right fight. Be sure. And what's fascinating, and this is what Benjamin and I were talking about last night, what's fascinating is the remedy in these books mm-hmm. that's given is sound teaching. Yep. The remedy for this war is sound yeah. teaching. And and if you think about it, it's it's almost like the church was set up with Christ at the head. And then male Bible teachers as elders to lead the flock. And if you squint at Scripture, you can almost see it. If you open your eyes, you can see it very clearly, right? Yeah. Because that's what it says. That's right. That's right? right. And so Black that's and the way white. it's structured, right? But that's what protects us, mm-hmm. both from the persecution on the outside so that we persevere and endure, and from the heresies that rise up within. Yeah. And that's why that's so critical. And it's critical that we understand what we're, what the Yeah, it's always is. funny because in every generation it's this, you know, oh, is preaching even going to be around anymore? And, you know, teaching is outdated. And, you know, and sure, there are always, you know, ways to learn about effective communication. But when people go down that road, they're missing the point. Right. right? God gave <laughs> yeah. us his word and right. we're to teach it and we're to be led by it and right. to build our lives on its truths and uh, build our churches according to its principles. And, and all of those realities. So, uh, so, but it's it's a great point, you know. That again, these these consistent threads. One of the gifts of reading scripture this way is we see over and over again the emphasis on sound teaching, biblical truth, yeah. sound doctrine, contending for the faith. And that's and that's so critical. And there are so many false teachers out there. And it's also for you and I as teachers, right, to be sure we have people that call us out, right? You and I both have people that, that listen to these things and come up and tell us if there's something that sounds astray. And a yeah. lot of times it'll be the way we phrase something, right? That's sure. why you go to your brother one on one, right? Right? Because it'll be yeah. you phrased it yep. this way. Is this what you meant? It's like no, no, no. I meant this, and I yeah. phrased it like that for. Yeah. And, and all of us have to humbly say we're not infallible. Only not the word of God is right. right? I always pray every Sunday, Lord, may the sermon they hear be better than the one that's preached, right? <laughs> you know, uh, all of, all of these things. Um, yep. but the reality is, is yes, you know, wh- what we devote ourselves to is, is trying to understand, you know, so we can faithfully present the truth. Exactly. Exactly. That's just beautiful. Right. And we are to persevere in our hope in Christ, right? Living the reality of his kingdom and grace here on earth. And I, and, and that's really what these things say, right? We, in, in the end, we persevere. Yeah. Right, things are we, but we have this hope, right? This and it's certainty, right? You love Hebrews yeah. one eleven. We have a certainty of our hope. That's right, a certainty yeah. of hope. And in First Peter one, it's a living hope. hope. All right. I mean, it, and that's why you know you get into these debates of you know, what is truth. Well, we're gonna give truth a hug. Yeah. Right. We're gonna give yeah. truth a hug, yeah. and and that changes mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. When you, when you when you personify truth, truth is a person. That's hope right. is a person. Right. Right. It's it's in Christ. These right. things are in Christ. And that's a just the world can't doesn't even know how to how to even engage with that. Yeah. Right. Because it's, it were, because what they're arguing about is collections of facts. Right. And so you you have to be kind of careful yeah. in, in dealing with that because you can kind of devolve down into Christianity becoming this collection of facts, right. which is much more Pharisaical than Christian. Very true. Right. And so we've got to be careful with it devolving down yeah. or devolving down into individualism. Yeah. Right. Because we've been, there's a lot of people who take our faith to it's my right to. And it's like, no, no, I don't, I don't see a lot of rights in here, but I see lots of responsibilities. Yeah, that's right. right? And so that's how we live. That's why we persevere and, and the, the hope that we have in Amen. So fun stuff. Hey Amen. Good, good work fun today, stuff. Brian, as always. And so, as we said, uh, we'll be back next Wednesday with our last podcast of the year. Uh, we'll finish up the Bible and we'll tell you about what's to come in the year 2021, if the Lord tarries. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's absolutely. Pray.
So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for these letters in the New Testament, so rich. And again, with the time we've had, we've just been able to skim the mountaintops. But, God, we are grateful that you, through your servants, God, help us uh, to be able to recognize and understand your truth. And so, God, would we contend for that? Uh, Would our hearts long for it and hunger for it? And, God, from that word, would it persevere us? Would it help us to endure, uh, God, whatever we're dealing with today in this moment, uh, God, and would it help us uh, to keep our eyes fixed on the hope that we have, whose name is Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.